Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Apalachicola. We pray that these messages challenge and encourage you. Now let's get into the Word together. I'll just let you stay there, Carlene, and I'll introduce, introduce our first speaker today, Brother Tony Sarmiento. Come on up. Anybody out there that hasn't met this man, raise your hand if you haven't met this man. <laughs> He's a real piece of work. <clears throat> A little bit. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning. I have been uh, privileged to be able to study to bring you this word. Um, God has been, uh, I, I got a devotional. I'm not sure where I got it, probably from my wife, but it is a, just a little tiny book, and it's every day you read a devotional, and um, it's at this lady who wrote it, and I can't tell you her name, but um, do I need to turn this on? How about that? So this lady writes it in the first person of Jesus, so as you're reading these devotions, it's like Jesus is speaking to you. It's his words coming to you. and she, It's all scripture. And um, start January 1, January 2, every day. And as a side note, I have a, a niece who is incarcerated right now. And so I know she's going through some trials and troubles. And we're allowed to write little letters to her. But I wrote her a letter and sent it and they sent it back because I put a stamp on it. You cannot put a stamp on an envelope because you can hide drugs behind the stamp. Imagine that. So, you can't write it in a letter because you can't, it can't be anything sticky. So it's only a postcard and it has to be pre-stamped. So, after a couple of tries, I got one through to her. And um, as I'm reading these scriptures, these devotions, I've just been writing her little messages and you know, telling her how I'm praying for her. And I've been, the last couple I've written were right out of these devotions because they line up with exactly what's going on in her life. Um, guy at work is, I work for the power company, and he had to go down for training in three days and to see if he could progress to the next level of being a lineman. And so I read my devotion for the days, and day number two, I read it, I took a picture of it, I sent it to him. Day number three, I read it, I took a picture, and I sent it to him. Because he's going through turmoil and, you know, trying to make sure that he can pass this next step. And so, this little devotion is very, very good. So, when I was reading it, I got this message from this devotion. And um, there's a lot of things we can use as an example, but I brought this up here because... How many of you have one of these, right? How many of you use these pretty well, right? So this is just one example that there are tons of examples, but 
I figured this one would, would be um, pretty good to use. So my question is, um, how many of us use this device every day? How many of us use this device to, oh, I don't know, search the internet? How many of us use it to Google stuff? Or I tell you what I do, if I have something I'm working on, I go to YouTube. Boom, boom, boom. You know what? YouTube is there. It tells you everything you want to know. Also, this phone knows that I looked up how to adjust my carburetor. So when I go to YouTube the next time, guess what? There's a whole pile of videos waiting for me on how to adjust a carburetor. Not just the one I was looking at, but any kind of carburetor. Why? Because that's what this thing does. They've done researches and studies to, by science um, and research groups that when you watch television and a commercial comes on and it flashes 10,000 things as quick as it can across the screen. Why? Because our, our minds, our brains, are wired to wonder. And so if they can keep you looking, keep you searching for the next thing on that screen, guess what? They keep you, they keep you, they keep you. You're done, you're, you're stuck. And so by doing that, these people that run these programs know that when you look up this, you look up this rifle that you're looking at maybe wanting to buy or how to clean this fish or how to clean this deer or whatever it is, they just inundate you with all this information. So they keep your mind going all the time. And so what do we do? Okay, guilty. So I take the phone to occupy my time. How many of us went to the doctor's office and used to pick up a book when we were sitting in a magazine? And we'd read, thumb through, find an article. Well, now we just grab the old phone and we start looking. And here's, I hate to admit this, but sometimes I pick up my phone and don't really know what I want to look for. So I just hit the button on it. It pops open. I hit Google. And then I got to figure, what do I want to look up? What, what, I, got, I, I don't know, but I want to look something up. So what is it? What is it? So, you know, and it, there's a list of things you've looked up in the past that pop up, so then you can look at those. The point is that we are taken over by the devil. Understand that. He is keeping us, anytime he can keep us from studying this word. Let me ask you this. How many of you spend 50% of your time searching the internet or looking on the phone? Searching Facebook, seeing what people say about you, see what you can read. How many of us take, let's say, 50% of our time and search God's Word? What's the, what, mm, where's the balance at? Do we spend as much time searching this as we do this? I'm afraid to answer that because this grabs our attention. And whatever grabs our attention is where we're going to stay. And all the, the Satan has to do is just keep our minds and our eyes off of God, off of Jesus. And if he can do that, he's won the battle. He's not walking around with a pitchfork and a spike tail looking to see what he can do. He's, all he's got to do is just take your eyes off of him, just that quick. Because if you take your eyes off of something, it takes a little bit of time to get back to where you were. 
it takes so much energy for you to, if you're reading a book, let's just say you're reading a book and you're in the book and you're, you're in the story, man, you are there with them, wherever they're at, whatever the book is, you're there. Well, if somebody knocks on your door and you go and answer the door, well, when you come back, what happens? You, you, you got to go back a chapter or so, right? To get yourself back in that book, in that story. Because you were there. You were enjoying this story. Well, all of a sudden, one little knock on the wall, knock on the door. And somebody in the house, open the refrigerator. Whatever it is, takes you away from that. Well, that's all the devil has to do. Get your attention. Take your attention away from what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? So, what we need to do is... When we feel this need to be searching for something, we need to be searching for what God wants us to be searching for, okay? So I've made some notes. I haven't hit any of them yet. But the thing is, um, there's three scriptures that I'm going to refer to. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Proverbs 23, 7, and then James 4, 7, and 8. Okay, so in 2 Corinthians 10, actually 4 and 5, um, it tells us that, and this is where, the, this is where our, our direction comes from, okay? So it says um, in, in verse 5, really, um, the end of that verse, it says, And bringing into captivity every thought, to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Bringing, bring, that means you got to do something. You got to bring it. It's not like he's going to take it. You got to bring it. So it says, and if you, if you look at the, at four and five, it tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So every thought that we have, what does it say? It says that God is going to help us. We're not doing this alone. We have power. Okay? God says that we're going to give you this because the weapons of our warfare excuse me, are not carnal. So they're spiritual. These are battles that are happening above us, around us. And, but God is the one who is going to help us if we do something, if we bring into captivity every thought, not just every thought, but what do we do with those thoughts? To the obedience of Christ. And so if we're going to bring our thoughts, I mean, how many of us go to work and our boss tells us to go do something and we don't want to do it? So what do we do? We all of a sudden we get an attitude. Well, that thought just became an attitude. And so what do we have to do? We have to replace that attitude or that thought with what the obedience of Christ would want us to think. How he would want us to think these things. And so, first of all, we have to bring our thoughts. So you can't physically, how many thoughts do we have a day? Thousands? I mean thousands? Tens of thousands? Who knows? I don't know. I can't count them. But I know we all have a lot of thoughts every day. So how are we to bring all of these thoughts into the captivity of the obedience of Christ? There's no way for us to do that. But when that, because not all of our thoughts are bad, a lot of our thoughts are good. A lot of our thoughts are, 
of love and compassion and caring. And so those don't need to be brought. But the ones that grab you and you know they're not, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, he says, I will guide you in all truth. All truth. So there's no lie. There's no falseness from the Holy Spirit. So he's going to guide us into all truth. So if we have a thought that we know is not guiding us into all truth, well then, we know we've got to bring that thought into the captivity of Jesus Christ so that we're obedient to him in our thoughts. Okay, and so why should we do that? Well, in Proverbs, at the end of Proverbs 23, it says, as a man thinks, so is he. So what are we thinking? What we think is what we are. I mean, it's pretty simple. You think that you're a tough guy? Guess what? You're a tough guy. You think that you're smart? You're smart. You think you're dumb? Guess what? You're going to be dumb. So what you think is what you are. You know, people, uh, I've, I've five children, and I've had a lot of advice from people, and I've also witnessed a lot of people, but I've seen people who have told their children, you're dumb. You are just, you don't know anything. You're just dumb. And you know what? When you watch that child grow up, they think they're dumb. They really do. They start, why? Because what you think, that's what you are. And so we have to rearrange our way of thinking. And how do we do that? By bringing our thoughts into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Okay? Because basically what God wants from us is a relationship. That's all. He wants that more than anything else. He wants a relationship, a personal one-on-one relationship with each and every one of us. All of us need that relationship. God, in his wisdom and compassion, says, that's all I want from you. I just want a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. I've read this book from cover to cover. In this book, I have never found anywhere where God did not desire the very, very best for me. Doesn't matter what you read in here. When you read it and you look at it through your life, there's nothing in here that God wants that is not the very best. Not just okay, not just good, but the very best. Everything in here is for my best, for me to be the best. And so what we have to understand is that when we are going through our daily lives, this came out of that that little devotion book, this little quote here, says, whatever occupies your mind the most, it becomes your God. So, I thought, well, you know, what, what occupies our minds the most? Our telephones? That's my example. This may not be your telephone. It may be hunting. I love to hunt. That may be what I like to do. That may occupy all of my time. But is that what should be occupied? No, it shouldn't. So, whatever occupies my mind the most, becomes my God. Same with everyone in here. It becomes your God. Whatever takes all of your attention, whatever gives you that you have to get to, you can't put it down. How many people can't put this thing down? I mean, did I miss something? Can't miss something. Oh my goodness, can't miss anything. I mean, it's funny. I mean, when I grew up, um, we didn't have these. We had a regular telephone in the house and we would go ride our bikes from here to there, and if mom wanted something, she'd be calling over there and saying, hey, when he gets there, 
I need you to have him come home, or I need you to have him call me, which mostly was just come home. So there was no calling mom and making a, arrangements, you know. It was come back home, you didn't clean your room or whatever it was. So we didn't have this. So it wasn't such a need to be all the time informed of what's going on and not miss anything because life was, to me, simpler. But now that we have this and the research has been done and they can use this device to mm, draw us away from what we're supposed to be doing to make that the most important thing instead of what is the most important thing. So this brings to every thought because this casts a whole lot of thoughts into your head. Okay, television does the same thing, radio, music, everything. So the third scripture that I got is James. And James is, you know, like the guy who puts it in. He, he slaps you around with it a little bit. He's kind of in your face. And um, so there's, in James 4, 7 and 8, he tells us that we are to do some things for this relationship that we are that God wants to have from us. We have to do it. We have to do, the first thing is submit. You know what that means to submit? That means to surrender. That means to give up all of your hope and ways that you want to do and submit, to surrender to somebody else's authority. So we have to submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Number one, we have to do that. We have to submit. We have to surrender. Because God wants a relationship with us. The second part of that verse says that if we do that, that we can resist the devil and he'll flee from us. We can't do that by ourselves. We're not mighty or powerful enough. The only way we can do it is if we submit because God says he can't be in the same place that I am. I'm God. There's none next to me. None above me. It's me. I'm God. So he's saying... If you submit yourself to me, then you can resist the devil. And guess what? He will flee from you. He can't be in the presence of God. And then uh, verse 8 says that you are to do something. Not are you, only are you to submit, but then you are to draw. That means to, to go close to. So draw near or nigh to God. You know what he says he'll do? If we do that, hey, uh, let's see. God will draw near to you. Amen. So all we have to do is submit and resist and draw near. And God says he'll draw near to you. But the end of that verse, um, of verse 8, kind of gives you a little, um, kind of pointing, you know, I told you he slaps you around a little bit. He says, uh, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, so what? What? Really? Yeah, cleanse your hands. Get your hands out of the stuff that you're doing. Amen. And quit being double-minded. Okay, I can serve God and the world. Uh -huh. What? No, you can't. You can't serve God and the world. It tells us in James that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. So he's saying here right now, you can't do that. Cleanse your hearts, cleanse your minds, and seek and choose you who you're going to serve. Okay? And so, what I'm going to um, tell you was I'm going to finish up with 
with the, the devotion again. It says um, that God rejoices when our minds turn towards him. And the way it's read in the book is as Jesus speaking. It says, I rejoice when your minds turn towards me. So guide your thoughts diligently because good thought choices will keep you close to me or close to God. So my challenge to you is one day, today, just one day, then to see how, how close we can come to bringing our thoughts into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. One day. Because it's, it's an ongoing minute by minute thing. So one day. And then maybe two days. Or maybe say a week. Just try for a week to see how well we can do to whenever a thought comes into our mind, bring it into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. And see how that changes our world. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word, Father. Father, I ask that you would just help us to take this word and apply it to our lives, Lord. Take this word and help us to uh, search you out in all things, Lord. That, Father, you would lead us and guide us and direct us as we go. Because we need leading, we need guiding, and we need direction, Lord. So, Father, lead us and guide us and direct us to you. That, Lord, that we would be able to glorify you and worship you and what we say and what we do. We praise you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Sorry, I'm not much at standing behind podiums. And from, let me just go ahead and start from the outset. Those of you who notice these things, yes, I know that I have a spot on my shirt. Okay? When I get to dress these things, it's just amazing the things I miss you know, as I get older. Just think how I'm going to be when I reach my 50s. Ah, anyway, so, um, um, so I'm not a preacher, which is gonna, a point which is going to become painfully obvious in the next few minutes, of course. In my professional life, I studied animal behavior. Animal behavior, of course, is a science of how and why animals do what they do. You don't study animal behavior very long before you get into the subject of neurology, which is the science of nerves, nerve cells, brains, structures, and functions, and again, how it all works. You don't get into neurology very long before you get into the subject of memory. And it's interesting, 
what Tony had to say today because much of what he has to say would tie into what I have to say as well. Now memory is, of course, the, the function of your brain which allows it to take in past sensory experiences, store them, and then to recall them so that it helps you predict what's about to happen in the present or in the future. Memory is literally what guides you when you go to move from point A to point B, whether that's in space or time. Without memory, we would literally be lost. You couldn't go anywhere. And even the simplest task, like performing even the simplest uh, mathematical problem, would be impossible. It's that important. Now there's lots of things that we, know, we don't know about memory, but there's a good number of things that we do know about memory. And so here's four interesting facts about memory. The first is that memories, of course, come through our senses. So any of our five senses, vision, hearing, smell, taste, touch, all of them can be used to create a memory. Now, since our brains, most of the sensory tissue in our brains is dedicated towards vision, not surprisingly, when we go to remember things, we preferentially remember them in terms of visual Things. So when I ask you to remember a rose, immediately comes to your mind a picture of a rose. We tend not to remember what the sound of a rose may be, whatever that, that is, nor do we happen to even remember what it smells like. We tend to focus on the visual image of a rose. Again, that's because we're just visual animals. That is not to say, however, that vision evokes the strongest emotional memories. Does anyone know which sense wins the prize when it comes to evoking the strongest emotional memories? Anybody? Smell. smell. Very good. For some reason, smell is just really, really connected to the emotional centers of your brain. And for a lot of people, there are certain smells which will trigger just an avalanche of deep emotional contents. So you may remember the smell of apple crumb pie, and you may associate it mentally with images of your mother making apple crumb pie during, during Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever. And it just, again, may flood you with emotions when you remember that. For me, it happens to be when I walk through a pine forest. I smell that, pine, that piney smell. It brings to me back an avalanche or a flood of smells that I had when I was attending summer camp as a boy. Just happens to trigger it that way. Now, so again, again we, we, can, we can create memories through all of our senses, but they're not equal. They have different, different functions. Second fact is that, contrary to popular opinion, not everything that you, that you experience in life is stored in the memory. There's lots of things that the brain just simply chooses not to put into memory. It's like it's standing by a steady stream of all the sensory information passing by, and it decides, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that. Kind of forget all about that part. I'm not even going to put it in. So, so, so it, it's, it's, it's selective. And, see, God, this is where I begin to forget my own things there. <laughs> So it's selective, and again, it doesn't store everything. So, so, for instance, when you listen to a jackhammer, when it first starts up, it startles you, and it gets your attention. But if that jackhammer continues on, 
After a while, you tend to forget about the jackhammer. It just passes out. Even though your ears are working just fine, it's not stored in the memory. Same thing with your clothes. When you put on your clothes in the morning, unless they just happen to feel really, really uncomfortable, for the most part, you don't remember what they feel like through the course of the day. The brain just ignores all that information going through. Now men, in particular, can be rather selective in what we choose to put into memory, particularly when we watch football games. <laughs> so I think it's kind of a defensive mechanism. Keeps us from being sensory overloaded when our wives ask us to, to put things into a, or to take out the trash. It just worked that way. The third fact about memory is that contrary, again, to popular opinion, it does not act as a videotape where things are replayed back in perfect order. Instead, it can't work that way. So the five senses work to collect collecting sensory information, send it to different parts of the brain because they go in different places and it puts in different parts. And the brain works to integrate all that. So when it goes to recall that, it does a really good job, pretty good, about putting everything back in order. Now I say pretty good because it isn't perfect. So it doesn't work like a videotape, so everything is in perfect order. The brain often, when making memories or recalls, it will, it will uh, put things in the wrong order. Sometimes it just leaves things out. Sometimes it adds things in that were never there to begin with. And sometimes it emphasizes things that shouldn't be and de-emphasizes things that should be. It makes for a great recorder, but it isn't a perfect recorder. It's not like a videotape. The last fact about memory is that memory represents a true physical change in your mind or in your brain. In other words, your brain is literally not the same brain before and after a memory is incorporated. It's changed. It's physically changed. There's a two-step process that you, that's used to do that. There's short-term memory and there's long-term memory. Now just to clarify to the women here, short-term memory is not what men have and long-term memory is not what women have. That's not how that works. I know what June is thinking here. That is not how that, that works. Instead, again, it refers to a two-step process. Anything that you put into memory is first stored as short-term memory. It is exactly as it sounds. It's short-term. It's not meant to be permanent. It's temporary. It's unstable. It, it goes away after time. But after something is put into short-term memory, then it is subsequently translated by a different process into long-term memory. It's there. Now, so scientists agree. Now, I should point out, by the way, that that process of translating from short-term memory to long-term memory can be disrupted. If you have a serious accident, for instance, some of that long-term memory never actually, actually makes it into into memory. It gets disrupted. But scientists agree. I love that term. Scientists agree. It's like scientists ever agree on anything. But nonetheless, 
scientists agree that once a memory goes into long-term memory and is stored there, it is there permanently. Barring any physical damage to that brain in those areas, that information will not be erased. It's there permanently. Now that fact, for us, for we Christians, should have a sobering effect. It should cause us, give us reason to ponder and think. If memories are permanent, and if they make it to long-term memory, they are. If memories are permanent, should we not be rather selective in the memories that we choose to put into our brains Amen. in the first place? I once read a, a bumper sticker that said, a closed mind is a terrible waste. I wanted to write a reply to it, didn't, but I wanted to, that said, yeah, well, an open mind makes a great trash can. And it's, it's true. Let's face it, folks. There are all kinds of things in this world that have no inherent value, they have no redeeming qualities, and they're just plain reprehensible. They're things that shouldn't even go into memory in the first place. So things like, you know, again, TV, TV shows that we watch, movies that we watch, going to various internet sites, books that we read, magazines that we read, stories that we hear, dirty jokes that we hear, all of those are things that we should be rather selective in what we choose to put in. Now I'm not saying that we should close our minds. Reading Das Kapital by Karl Marx, reading The Origin of Species by Darwin, probably are not bad things. Listening to, to, listening to some TV pros or watching TVs TV, movies, and, and shows, watching, look at the internet, all those can be good things, but again, they can be bad things. We should be selective in what we choose to put in there. What you want to do is avoid what I call the ugly. Now, if specific memories can be ugly, Think of what a constant stream of ugly would do, basically, to your brain. So, so it enters actually a whole new dimension. It is the physiological equivalent of poisoning your brain, literally. So as, you, as your mind goes and continually collects memories all through the years, it begins to form a backdrop or provide context to any new memory or any new information coming into the brain. It affects how you interpret that information. So, so as you go along, it forms kind of a psychological filter. And the, the outcome, outcome of, that, of that psychological filter, again, depends on whether the filter itself is intact and going well, or if it's corrupted. The more it's corrupted, the more the mind becomes distant or separated from reality. It doesn't think the way that it's supposed to think. So, so again, it behooves us to stay away from a constant stream of things which are not good for us to be watching. So in, in Philippians 4 Paul reminds us to be continually thinking about things that are good, and pure, lovely, honest, and true. Okay? I don't think Paul is telling us to wear a flower in our hair and dance around in la-la land. 
this isn't, after all, San Francisco. Nonetheless, and I also don't think he's telling us to avoid all negative things in our lives. Some negative hard lessons can be a good thing for us. It really can. He often argued with the people who disagreed with him. I think what Paul is trying to tell us is that as your mind wanders through the mental cities of the world, try to avoid the city dumps. Try to avoid the trash. Stay away from it. So, so one last thing to ponder. So, you can have already put in neg negative memories, ugly memories. And what do you do with them? The nice thing about memories is that not only are they permanent, but they can be modified. They can be surrounded by a different context. And there is no memory which is so bad that the saving grace of God cannot change your perspective on that memory. So just as a matter of point, and I'm done. Thank you.